going to talk about probably the single greatest sandbox game of all time, Little all Big right. Planet. If y'all don't know, Little Big Planet is a PlayStation exclusive originally developed by Media Molecule and Sony Computer Entertainment. I think it first released in 2008 on the PlayStation 3. Uh, the biggest thing you need to understand about this is that kind of in what happened with Minecraft over time, and if you ever played Disney Infinity, you had what you could call the core game or story mode, which you'd go through and experience all these little worlds. Um, and then you could build your own levels and load them into cloud into the cloud, and then people could play them. Uh, one of the couple of unique things about Little Big Planet is that it was all very accessible. Um, there was nothing that you saw the developers do in their maps that you're like, yeah, I totally could. Uh, that you're like, there's no way I could re recreate that. No, 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 you 100% could. And they'd actually, if you cleared the world, give you the template for the world that you could deploy their mission and tweak it if you wanted to. But over time, there were some really brilliant uh, people who made like incredible, incredible levels that far and above exceeded what Media Molecule actually made in theirs. And it was great. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was just a wonderful, cute, quaint game. You know, it's got a very nice aesthetic. It's what is the word? Two and a half dimensional. Uh, yeah, it's like 2.5D. Yeah. Yeah, 2.5D, you know, technically 3D, but not really. It's isom it's not it's a side scroller. You can go up and down. Um, but you know, you have your cute little sack boy. You're out there, and uh it was delightfully narrated by Stephen Fry. Like it was wonderful. Like, look, there's a little sack boy right there. You know, you run around, you jump, it's a lot of comic humor, things happen, it's dangerous, you have goofy physics to play with. Uh you can customize characters, make their worlds. It's uh, I played so much of this game. Like, that was the only game I played for, like, three years. For good reason. Um, they actually made a variety of sequels. I think the best sequel they made was probably Little Big Planet 2. Uh, they made Little Big Planet 1, 2, 3. They played, made a PS Vita version, which I played the PS Vita version a little bit. Not a whole lot, because, you know, it was really just a stripped-back version of the main game. Not as good. I never played the Sackboy's Prehistoric Moves one, but, you know, I played Little Big Planet 2, Little Big Planet 3. I played Little Big Planet Karting, which is actually remarkably good for a mario kart knockoff um it incorporated a lot of things it was really easy to make good maps in it but i feel like at that point uh the player base had dwindled a little bit that there wasn't a lot of like the, the good multiplayer stuff but yeah so it was originally developed by media molecule by the time a uh, little big planet 3 came around they switched developers i do not remember at this point uh when sumo digital i believe sumo digital yeah yeah that's right it was sumo digital they did a actually really good job with it but i think at that point the game had grown beyond um what it needed to be because they started introducing alternate characters for you to play as which was neat they had their own little powers and abilities but i feel like at that point it took the simplicity of the game and like complicated it just a little bit too much um, like there were some good incremental improvements they put in the first one, like they released a Pirates of the Caribbean map pack, which enabled you to get water, which was a really good addition to the game. Um, and then they also in included paintball guns. That was another really great addition to the game. I think that came with the Metal Gear Solid expansion. Yeah. So one of the things is like before Fortnite or any of those people, did, um, any other 
developers did this. Little Big Planet had a ton of crossover collaborations with other intellectual properties to get you skins, cosmetics, even missions, um, and new equipment into the games. And that was like one of the really neat things. Like I think we're gonna talk about our next game a little bit more, but they actually had a couple of Dead Space packs as well. You could play as the major characters. They did. Um, so they, there were some good incremental improvements in Little Big Planet too, but you know it just got a little bit too bloated and it lost the beauty of its simplicity. I think that's kind of where it went, but I think. In the spirit of remakes, if anyone <laughs> wanted to make a competent remake of Little Big Planet One, maybe Little Big Planet Two, and re-release it on the PS5, I would play it a lot because it's just like really great. You played it too, didn't you? I played, yeah, I played Little Big Planet One, Two, Three, and Vita. Um, mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed Three the most, but I think part of the reason that I did that, that I liked that, was uh, I think it was kind of a lot of people felt that with Sumo Digital the Mm -hmm. game itself wasn't as good like if i was going through the game itself and the levels i think the original one is probably has the best levels Mm -hmm. but sumo digital really did a lot with the creation tools yeah uh for example they had i think the second one might have had it too i know the vita did but you could put a little control module on something yeah and it would bring up Mm -hmm. a picture of the dualshock controller and Mm -hmm. you could link you could drag uh, wires from buttons to different things. Yeah. So you could build like a little car and then you could make it that you can control your car with the left analog stick or. I, I think they did that in before three. I know they did it in Vita. They might have done it in two. I don't remember. Three was a great game. They did a really good job with it. I think it just got like a little too complicated for kids, if that makes sense. It's like the level creation. No, definitely. With with all the different worlds and, you know, all the mm-hmm. different physics and then all the different characters. And like, you can get small, you can get big, you can fly, you can be a dog. <laughs> it was a great game. Don't get me wrong. Great franchise. Probably the most re- remarkably consistent franchise in video gaming, I'd say. I haven't played Sackboy's Big Adventure on the PS5. Neither have I. Um, I'm just like very RPG'd out at this point, which is really funny because I like absolutely adore everything from software does. Like, I don't think they've put out a game I didn't like that I played since Demon Souls. Did you play the original Armor Cores? Uh, no, but I am so excited for Armored Core 6. I've been an Armored Core fan since the original. <laughs> I've been playing since 1997. Look, I had no idea what From Software was until uh, PlayStation put um, Bloodborne as their free game on PlayStation Plus on the PS4, like way back when. Yeah. I was like, all right, we're going to play this. And then I played a lot of their games. I remember hearing about Demon's Souls and Dark Souls, and I was just like, okay, they're hard games, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Bloodborne came out, and then, you know, I think that's when I started hearing From Software. And I'm like, wait, isn't that the Armored Core company? (laughs) It is. What are you talking about? That's a Dark Souls company. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's crazy you know everyone talks about how hard their games are i really think that's kind of not an accurate description they're very fair i completely agree they're very they're very straightforward they're incredibly fair they just don't hold your hand that's true too like there are games out there that punish you and that's how they make things difficult like for example we're going to talk about dead space more in a minute but if you go up the difficulty chain in Dead Space, instead of like increasing the amount of enemies or making the AI stronger, they start taking away damage from you and giving your enemies extra damage to deal. And I think that's terrible. Like, I hate that. Bullet sponge. Or like level capped games where like they're like, oh, yeah, you're too weak for this. So they make everybody insta kill you. You have like no chance of like conceivably surviving. Whereas in a From Software game, you could hypothetically beat the whole game at level one with the starting weapon. It'd take you a while, but yeah. Do I advise it? 
No, but it can be done because really it's just like, can you learn the game? Can you follow? Like, can, can you learn? Yeah. I have a great appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. For me, for me, it's kind of, uh, cause when people are like, oh yeah, it's so hard, you know, cause you got these enemies and you have to play and then you learn the patterns and then you, you, you go back, you know, when you die, you die a lot, but then you go back and I'm like, that's, that's, we were doing that back in Sonic the Hedgehog where you play, you die, you learn yeah. the level, you go back, you play again, you've learned a little bit more. So I'm like, that's just a normal gameplay loop. That's not anything special. I mean, maybe yeah, they it, it's tighter, but uh, the loop itself is is not unique. No, they're not. They're not hard. They're just they're exacting. They expect you to know how to play the game. They don't they don't give it to you for free. They're not going to give you any hacks or cheats. They give you some things that make, you know, things easier. But it's not like they're like you're running through bullet hail. Like, you know, it's just learn the game, learn the loop, figure it out. Which is great. My favorite from software game right now, probably for all time, I don't see it changing, is Sekiro because it's like the most polished they've ever made a game. Like the combat system, and this is a very controversial take. Yeah, yeah. I was like, don't a lot of uh, Dark Souls people not like Sekiro? <laughs> yeah, they hate it because like from software doesn't let us play the game we want to play the game i'm like boohoo get over it none of their games are designed for you to play the game you want to play it you, if you haven't realized that that there's a game that there's a way that they're encouraging you to play and that you're being punished for not playing it that way you're like doing something wrong because like i was like i want to be like a tank i'm like no from software game has been designed to encourage you to be a tank player since bloodborne and if you've gotten to the point where you can be a tank it's because you're grossly horrifically over leveled <laughs> it took out it took out over leveling you like you can't over level it took out diversity in class because you have one weapon but in exchange for that you get the tightest the cleanest combat loop they have ever created like i there are no battles you lose in that game where you did not 100 percent deserve to lose that battle like it is so polished it is so clean it is so like perfect that there's there's no like spamminess to it there's like you know what you did wrong and that's why i like yeah i never really understood how you could say oh you know Sekiro is you know because i can't play the way i want because you know i can't i can't over level if i need to i can't see how you can justify that as an, a valid argument and then turn around and tell other people who want an easy mode no you can't play it that way it's like but you just said no easy mode would ruin the game but over leveling it's like <laughs> how is that any better or worse yeah or like we're gonna just stand really far away and shoot magic missile at the boss guy till he dies <laughs> which is that's something i really actually hate about elden ring and a lot of their in dark souls is that at some point the game just kind of encourages you to cheese like the original destiny because you're just like you know I don't want to play this. I'm just going to cheese because like, that's just the way the game is. And I think from software contemplates that way more than other game studios. Cause they know you're doing it. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah, we know you're, you're doing this. We don't build goofy games. Very rarely do they patch out cheeses. The only ones they patch out are the ones where you actually break the physics. Like for example, there's this one boss in Elden ring that I hated him. He's the last boss you have to beat before you can get to the Halleck tree. He's really annoying because of just the, the way that his encounter is designed. But if you realize you can shoot through the uh, arrow slits into his boss arena from outside his boss arena and you can poison him to death and it's brilliant. <laughs> and if correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they've patched it out. But yeah, it's because, you know, but in Sekiro, there's there's none of that. There's a couple of like there's a couple of glitches in the AI that are still persistent, right? 
there's you know there's some of the ways that the bosses you can like you can glitch them into thinking you're not there but it's as simple as you attack and you parry and that's it you do two things the whole game you block and you swing and if you can figure that out oh and you're gonna do a little bit of like dodging but you know it's the most exacting it's the fairest honestly i think it might actually be the easiest one once you figure out what they're expecting you to do they're just expecting you to learn how to how to use the combat system they're not giving you any easy outs they're not giving you diversity because i said yeah i didn't know this at the time but sakura was actually a side project they were developing while they're working on elden ring because like elden ring was so big for them to build they're like yeah we're just gonna build this and um there's actually some content in elden ring that very much looks like the scrapped sakura dlc um I, have you played sakura i have not yeah, so there's a boss in Sekiro. Well, the way the story ends is very ambiguous as like the resolution as, you know, most from software games do if you um, do the true ending. But it was very much setting itself up for DLC content because almost every from software game has received at least one DLC. Um, and Melania from from so from Elden Ring plays exactly and I mean exactly to the T how a boss in Sekiro plays. Like, to the T. And one of her signature moves is almost identical to a signature move of Lady Tomo, who you never meet in Sekiro. But there's a lot of thoughts thinking that in the DLC they were going to let you either go back in time or travel to a place where she's still alive. And you can fight her. And they think that what they ended up doing was scrapping, uh, was taking that content from Sekiro and porting it into Elden Ring. And there's a lot of other ancillary evidence to support this because a big component of Sekiro is the Dragon Rot the biggest thing that millennia has got going for her is the scarlet rot she's an incredible swordsman she uses a katana she's missing her arm which is a common theme among protagonists in sekiro and you know just there's, there's a lot of things to suggest that you know that was cut content which kind of makes me sad because like it's my favorite from software game it's it's really good but you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about dead space remake i have to be <laughs> honest i didn't play the original dead space i was seven years old when that came out we have it downloaded on my ps3 okay yeah i, I had i had played the original one kind of uh my mm -hmm. brother had it on the xbox 360 was it back then mm -hmm. um and i played it actually i believe it was I don't believe, I don't remember if it was when I got married or if it was when my wife and I went back prior to our getting married. I don't remember, but it was one of the times that I went back to the States and my wife, mm -hmm. either she was my wife or girlfriend, then I'm not quite sure. But we went yeah. back and I remember I got I got food poisoning. And so I ended up sleeping through most of the day and then everybody else went to sleep. And then, you know, I woke up and it's like, OK, well, now I'm wide awake because I've been sleeping all day and everyone else is sleeping. Mm -hmm. So I played it on my brother's 360. I only got as far as uh, I think I got around the part where there's that one necromorph that you can't really kill. You just have to run away from it. Yeah, the hunter. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's about as far as I got. And then, you know, I came back to Taiwan and I always intended to get it because I really enjoyed it. But then... Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it just kind of fell into the backlog and then PS3 went out and there was no backwards compatibility. And then, you mm -hmm. know, PS4 and now PS5. And so mm -hmm. now I'm kind of like, OK, maybe I should go ahead and finally pick this one up. But uh, yeah, so my only reservation for it is the fact that it costs $70, but that's going to be industry standard, I guess. And I hate it because I like, but it's great. It's really good. I mean, there's a couple of things in it that I'm like, eh, about. Um, and we can detail them later. A lot of it's just kind of like story related. There's just some tropes in the in the story that I'm just like, 
tired of right now. Well, I, I think in, in the, you got to kind of consider, too, that a lot of these remakes, you know, they, they seem tropey, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they were kind of the games that set up the tropes in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing you got to keep in mind, too. It's like, all right, I have to think back to 2008. In 2008, were they making games about evil cults that control governments and corporations getting them to do evil things but you know it's kind of the same thing with uh you know me playing final fantasy 7 back mm-hmm. in uh you know 19, 1997 and you know like oh yeah. this is a cool thing and you know the, the one of the main characters dies in the game and it was like surprising and shocking that's and, cool you know and then kids you know they play the remake these days and yeah, I mean, obviously, Aerith hasn't died yet in the remake, but, uh, you know, it's like, oh, this guy with his big sword and spiky hair is so cliche. And it's like, why do you think it's a cliche? <laughs> I was about to say, like, Final Fantasy definitely, Final Fantasy and Bleach are the king of spiky hair and big swords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Final Fantasy VII predates, I mean, there, there are older games. I mean, if you go back to like, or mm-hmm. TV shows, if you go back to like Ray Earth, which I think was back in the yeah. 90s or 80s or something, but. But I mean, like, you know, this is what really popularized a lot of those things. And Inuyasha, you know, big sword, spiky yep. hair. Same thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if it seems a little bit tropey, I mean, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. It's not. <laughs> it's not in that sense. Like, this is something that personally annoys me because I'm just I'm tired of it. Oh, okay. I feel like everything these days is, you know, ah, evil organized religion. I'm like, can we come up with something different? now please but evil organized political party evil or yeah <laughs> it's the same thing <laughs> can we go back to shooting nazis please like that was fun like <laughs> why did we ever stop fighting the nazis and the soviets that's like perfect enemies right there even like most modern day russians don't like the soviets and go to germany and ask them how they feel about the nazis <laughs> they, they don't like them either perfect no, video game really. villains why we didn't have to deviate i don't know but now everyone's like ah. but you know great game spectacular remake like as far as remakes go they changed a couple of things part of it was because you know the game was kind of clunky like you know think about before final fantasy 7 remake deviated from final fantasy 7 story immaculate remake I, I bought Final Fantasy VII, the original, on my Switch, and God, it's it's clunky. It's a little goofy. It's really goofy. <laughs> it's so goofy. Like I'm, I, I was playing that, and then I also was playing Eurasian or Eurasia. No, what is the name? It was the the Apple exclusive game developed by uh, Final Fantasy people. No idea. I don't know that one. They have a game. Hold on, Apple Arcade. It's it's a thing, but you know it's. You know, I was just comparing it's like because it's, you know, essentially it's a JRPG in a Final Fantasy S world. It's still turn based on like not all of them are turn based in the Final Fantasy franchise right now. But, you know, it's just a good it's a it's a great remake. Uh, it looks incredible. The game plays really well. I think the horror dynamic is there. If I had two critiques of it, I think, you know, it is a little bit of a it's more of a psychological difficulty than an actual difficulty because like say you run out of ammo right you run out of ammo because you know ammo management is a pretty big thing especially in early to mid 2000s video games thank you um resident evil uh you can still pummel the ever-living crap out of most monsters you encounter as long as you only encounter like one or two you can beat them up without ammo and you'll be fine which i guess is you know a a survival mechanism to keep you from having to worry about oh crap if i run out of ammo i'm gonna die 
But, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't realize that because you get you get a little resourceful after you play one too many hours of uh, any modern from software game. You're just like, all right, I'm, you know, but, you know, it's 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 really good. It's really fun. I think I only died like three times. And one of the times I died, it was because I didn't save my game and my PlayStation turned off. And then I had to reset back prior to where I'd already made it. So I went and played over this, the thing again and I died and it was really annoying. But no fantastic phenomenal looks amazing really well managed remake they didn't change a whole lot as far as the story goes they incorporated some foreshadowing from the later games which is a frustrating story because dead space 4 was never made um but you know so they incorporated some things like foreshadow where they're going because i don't think they knew where exactly where they were going when dead souls uh, not dead souls dead space 1 came out so they, they, they patched up a little bit of those those little awkward bits that, you know, don't necessarily make sense. But, you know, wonderful, wonderful remake as far as it goes. Um, it does, you know, I think y'all talked about this a little bit and someone else definitely talked about this. I don't remember where I was reading it. There was an article about, you know, what really constitutes a remake or is it a reboot? Because it definitely looks like they're looking to reboot Dead Space, which I am very supportive of. They did not finish out the story, which frustrates me greatly. And they have never released any information about it on the hopes that it's going to get picked up. But given like how big a phenomenon of this Dead Space uh, remake has been, I, I really hope they do. Because that would be nice. Yeah, there's the whole debate of what's a remake, a reboot, a reimagining, and a remaster. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm more of a fan of remakes than remasters because, you know, I get the idea of preserving importing graphical fidelity from like, yeah, we're just going to give you the exact same game, but we're going to move it up. I get the appeal. I get that. But also after what we saw could be done with Demon Souls, like that was incredible. And even after Dead Space, I'm like, I would much rather buy a full on rebuild that they bring it into the graphical capabilities of today. They make it look beautiful. And, you know, otherwise it's the same thing. It's kind of like call it a reskin, so to speak, or they patch out some of those clunky mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Do a few quality of life tweaks. Uh, I think one of the things that they said they added in this one was in the original game, you restore power to parts of the ship. Mm -hmm. But in this one, they made it that you can actually choose where your power goes. So you can actually choose like, OK, I want power to be diverted to this part of the ship. I can open these doors, but I lose access to this part of the ship. Or I can reroute power to this part, access these doors, but then I lose power. So that was not in the original, but I've heard that uh, people are pretty happy with that decision. Yeah, so I think that's not exactly what translated. What they did is they added a tram station. So in the past, it was very linear, right? It's still pretty linear, but you can revisit areas that previously you couldn't. Like in the past, in the original version of the game, if I remember correctly, like you, you do your mission to the medical ward and you don't go back to the medical ward until you get another mission to take you to the medical ward. But once you open up the tram station in a part of the ship, you can go back to that place and you can go find all the collectibles, the random little secrets, do the side quests. Because I added a very large amount of side quests. I think the game was advertised as like 10 hours for the base story and then it's an additional four or five hours for the side quests. Um, it didn't take me that long because I was, you know, being pretty efficient, doing as much of the side quests as I could while working on the main quest. But yeah, they added a lot of stuff and they added a lot of lore and collectibles we found. And they also added a useful new game plus because sometimes a new game plus you just go through and it's the exact same game. No, nah, it's not the exact same game. There's new things that you can find that will alter the ending and the story. I mean, there's just, you know, I think that's pretty neat because, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, 
New Game Plus is nice and it's cool, especially for the people who are uh, completionist minded. But sometimes it's literally just a reskin. It's it's really just a repeat. I'm like, I'm not a fan of that. At least certain games, like you know, you're from software. They have like six different endings for you to choose. If you're playing Near Automata, you have thirty endings <laughs> or whatever it is. Technically, but I mean, yeah, you're not really choosing them as much as progressing through them. Yeah, yeah, you're just going and clarify this for me. I haven't played the game. When you do a new game plus in Near, do you do the whole ending, the whole game over again, or does it get you to the and you just keep working from there? So in the I don't I don't know about the original Nier, but in Replicant, what it does mm-hmm. is you play through the first time you play as young Nier when you're a child. Mm-hmm. You yeah. play through the entire game. Mm-hmm. And then after you beat the game, it goes back to you go back to young Nier, I think, but you don't play through mm-hmm. the whole thing. You play up to a certain point mm-hmm. and then it skips it. Oh no, no. You you play through the whole game and then you start again as old Nier. So you skip the young mm-hmm. Nier part, play through it mm-hmm. again. Then it goes back to Young Near, but you don't play the mm-hmm. whole thing. You play up to a certain point, and then it skips to Kan uh, Kaine, and then you play through mm-hmm. Kaine's part. So you're never playing the game from beginning to end. Uh, you'll play you'll play bits and pieces. See, I like that actually. I like that quite a bit because that's that's kind of how I got the the feeling. Because I've been watching the Near Automata um, or Automata. I don't remember what the exact word is. I've been watching the anime they put out. Yeah, Automata is a bit different because what you do is you play through the full, you play through the first half of the game as Mm -hmm. 2B, Mm -hmm. and then you beat it, and then you play the game Mm -hmm. again, but you play it as 9S. So you're playing it from a different perspective. Yeah. And there are parts where they'll split, and 9S will say, I'll go off and do this while you go do that. Mm -hmm. So you're playing the entire game again, but from a different perspective. So you're actually getting a different side of the story, Mm -hmm. but the timeline's the same. Yeah. And then after you do that, it switches back to you go to two A, right, or A two. Well, I think it switches back to two B for a bit, and yeah. then it switches to two A. Yeah, or A two yeah. or whatever. And then at the end, you can play as two A or nine S, I believe. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, there's like quite a few different ways you can take the story, and I actually like that quite a bit because you know sometimes just like I'm playing the exact same game four times to get the various endings and it's getting tedious but at least it gives you something to go through on that but you know kind of getting back to dead space a little bit they had three main sequels um with each of the sequels had or three main games and all the main games had dlc except for dead space one uh what they did for dead space one is they made i believe it was the dead space mobile game which doesn't actually you're not even following isaac you're following no, somebody it's else not the same game <laughs> Yeah, you're following on a concurrent-ish timeline, slightly behind, or slightly before uh, Dead Space. I think it's slightly before. Yeah, I think it overlaps for a very brief period. Like, I think canonically, while you're going through medical ward or mining, that's when, for the first time, when Dead Space Mobile ends. So, you know, they really fleshed out the lore in a lot of ways with a lot of really interesting games. Um, I kind of want to go back and play those now, but I imagine I'll just get to them when they start. Re- I assume I assume they're rebuilding the rest of these. I like I'd be surprised if they haven't already started the remake of uh, Dead Space 2 at this point. Well, they put out that uh, if you would they put out a um, questionnaire asking people if they wanted mm-hmm. a remake of Dead Space 2. So I, I don't know if they've mm-hmm. started it or not, but they're definitely up to or open to the idea of it. And I imagine when they built this the remake they built it with the intent that hey we could possibly do this so they made their models and stuff 
be cross applicable because i know sometimes people like to build whole new character models when they go through games which is cool but that's a lot yeah they're probably going to use the same like isaac model and everything yeah that's a lot of work um and i imagine they're not going to rebuild every single one of their people every time you know and part of the neat things about the various dead space games is you actually do return to the ishimura at some point or another um, I guess I guess we owe a, a brief synopsis or at least like a teaser for what Dead Space is. You know, Dead Space, you're a insurance, you work for an insurance company going to investigate a distress call on the premier mining ship of, I forget the the um, the company, but it's the USG, United Space Guild, I think. I have no idea. Yeah, it's called the Ishimura. They have a distress signal out on this mining planet that they're not technically supposed to be at. And uh, you get there and you realize all the lights are off and no one's hailing the comms. And then you land. Well, you don't land. You crash land and realize there's something seriously goofy going on here. So you start checking in. You're making your way towards the bridge. Um, your main character, Isaac, his uh, fiance or wife. It's not actually super clear as to their exact status in this game. Uh, I think it previously decided that they were married is aboard the ship. And y'all are kind of like going a little a little distressed relationship vibe you know there's some tension there um and then you're in the main like welcome area you know they're like welcome to the ship please check in with the security officer there's no security officer there so they send you around and you open up the thing and then a giant monster appears from the ceiling and kills some of your crewmates and you are running off you're like ah i'm being chased by monsters so you know the ship's been overrun by monsters you're trying to figure out what happened on there you're trying to get the ship restored and you're trying to get out of there because your ship inadvertently gets destroyed a little bit later so that's kind of like the whole idea you're rebuilding rebuilding getting the ship back to functioning and kind of exploring what actually went on, why there's a bunch of weird zombies with really long arms, as you can see, just running around like kind of horrific type stuff. It's a little jump scare reliant. It's a solid game. I give it a, I give it a full recommendation for anyone who's like not squeamish. It plays a lot of psychological games with you. There's a, there's a huge component of hallucinations and psychosis. Um, like I said, there's parts of it that I was like, eh, I'd, I'd like I'm not motivated by the story really because like you know evil cultish religion that rules the galaxy is you know cliche yeah it's kind of cliche but you know some people really like that there's a lot of people who just really hate organized religion so fair enough but it's it's really good the gameplay itself is solid ammo man ammo management is a big deal one of the things I really like about it is that the first weapon you get the plasma cutter is the only weapon you need to beat the game. True. So like you can make improvements to your armor and gear. You can collect better weapons, better weapons, but it's not one of those ones where it's like making you chase a skill tree to like, you know, be able to play the game. Any improvements you make, make it easier on you, but it's not like you're locked out from beating the game, which is one of the things I really don't like about some games is where it gets a little grindy. You're like, uh, I have to, I have to get XP to rank up to unlock new stuff so I can kill these people who are killing me. No, that's not how it goes. You can get more benefits, which makes it easier, but like the game is playable. It's difficult. It's not punishing. It's not unfair. Yeah. And it kind of caters to your style too, because if you're really enjoying the plasma cutter, you can upgrade that. But if you enjoy something else, go with that. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a well put together game. I think there's a lot of des game design flaws where they artificially cap you from doing material because they want to prolong the length of the game. Mm. I like a good game where the game is exactly as long as it takes you to figure out the game, which is, you know, big fan of from software games for that very reason. Like you're not prohibited from doing things because uh, you're just not ranked up enough. You know, your only limitation is how far you can progress the game and how, you know, leveling up helps. But like, you know, it's not like 
um, say Destiny, where you walk into the wrong cave and like, oh yeah, you're 50 levels under for this content. Go back and grind, scrub. Yeah. Or like, you know, yeah. the thousands of other games like that. Um, the movement in it feels really natural. It it doesn't feel like it's making you weak for the sake of being weak. That's another video game trope I hate. It's where it's like, yeah, you are supposed to be this like really powerful person, but right now you're weak because we say you are. Yeah, here you're just an engineer. You're just a guy who's like just shows up and it's like, uh, I'm just supposed to fix stuff. Yeah. My weapons aren't even technically weapons or tools. <laughs> yeah, and your limitation in the game isn't your character, it's you. Not that like I really appreciate that. I kind of like, um, I don't know. Did you ever play Infamous? I played Infamous 2. Okay. I, I never played 2, but Infamous 1 had a little bit of both. Like there were certain components of it. It was like, yeah, you're not going to be able to do this until you unlock more powers. But at the same time, it's not like I'm thinking of some of like the Marvel, some of the Marvel games where you're just like, yeah, I'm really weak for no reason. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be flipping Iron Man right now. I have his full suit. Why can I not do the things his suit can do? Because the game's just being dumb. It's like locking away features. I don't like that. That really annoys me. I'm like, you're not weak because you're weak. You're weak because the game wants you to. Yeah. No, so but not you a know, fan of you... Metroidvanias, then, huh? It depends on the Metroidvania. There's some Metroidvanias I'm a big fan of. Like, I understand progressively unlocking and gathering equipment. But one thing that like really annoys me if it's not managed managed well is where they're just like, yeah, we're gonna make you really bad at this because we can. Like, I didn't mind how Horizon Forbidden West did it. You know, you leave the first game with a bunch of talents and skills, but in the second game, you lose your equipment somehow. I mean, it's a little eh, but I understand they can't have, you know, and it's it's all right. It's a manageable grind. Um, the better the game plans out their leveling experience, the more I'm the more I like it. But like, sometimes I feel like it's really just like, yeah, grind. Like I've been playing Dead Cells recently. I like Dead Cells quite a bit. That's a that's a classic Metroidvania roguelite. Yeah, I haven't played Dead Cells yet, so. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I, I like it. Um, I'm just trying to think of a really good example of a game that Anthem. I never played Anthem. The power climb is tough. I, I really like the the design theory behind like Dead Space or like a From Software game. Yeah, I just uh, last night I finished Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. And one of the things mm -hmm. there I'm like, because it, it says to beat the game, it's like 11 hours and to 100%, mm -hmm. it's like 78 hours. And it's like, wait, what? And apparently there's just That's a bunch nuts. of a lot of it's grinding. So, like, for example, you have to grind to a point where you can break the damage limit of 9999. Mm -hmm. And then you can go up to 9999. So you get an extra nine. At mm -hmm. the but uh, That's upsetting. Yeah, but you have like enemies that can do 75,000 damage to you in one hit and it's like okay so i have to grind my hp up high enough just so i can survive that like specifically for that mechanic yeah they're just like over inflating the length of their game because they can yeah i think in that in that game part of the problem was it was originally a psp game and so they uh -huh. were limited to how much they could actually put in the mm -hmm. game so they kind of yeah. had to pad it out with something. And, and so uh, artificial grind was the easiest way to do it just because mm -hmm. you couldn't add more story or anything. You just yeah. didn't have the memory for it. But uh, is that the second component of Final Fantasy VII Remake or is that just a fully separate thing? No, no, that's Rebirth. It's it's part of the compilation. It's a prequel. Yeah. OK, got it. Because like I really want to play Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I also refuse to pay for the full game like four times so i'm just gonna wait for it to all be finished and then i'm just gonna buy it in the omnibus collection they come out with later 
I would say with Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's a lot like Dead Space, where, you know, mm-hmm. it's... We would say it's a full game, but that's because we have the original. But actually, mm-hmm. if the original did not exist and you had just played Remake, it, it's a full game in its own, on its own. Okay. And without the knowledge that, you know, it's going to be, you know, without the previous knowledge mm-hmm. of there is a full game and we know the story out mm-hmm. there, I would say it would have been seen as a full game on its own. Okay, cool. So you say, like, it's worth buying in an, on its own. Because, like, my thought is, like... When they when they finish making it, aren't they just aren't, aren't they going to release like how big is the game data wise? Uh, yeah, I don't know how many gigabytes of data it is. Uh, but it's a it's a full game, sixty something okay. gigabytes maybe. I don't know. Okay, I'll, I'll look into it because like that's yeah. kind of like my concern because you know sometimes I release these things. I'm like, is this really like you know? Because I'm really interested. Actually, I have a lot of friends who are really big into Final Fantasy, and I, I just somehow kind of missed that train. Yeah, no, it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a full game on its own. It only covers the the Midgar section of uh, the of the original game, mm-hmm. but they they pad it out with extra story. They add extra chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to lo- you get to m- get to know Biggs Wedge and Jesse a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, cool, um, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I figured it out. Fantasian. It's uh, it was it. That's the Apple uh, arcade exclusive jrpg um it's it was made by hironobu sagaguchi and uh nobu umetsu that's the music guy yeah so you know it's it's those guys they said yeah we're the original creators and pioneers we're gonna make our own thing and they did and it's it's really good like if you have an apple device and you have access to apple arcade i really like you know korean has his ipad i'm sure he would if he likes Final Fantasy at all, he would like that. If he likes JRPGs at all. He's not a big RPG guy. Neither <laughs> am I typically, but like I will get behind a good turn-based game. Like I love Pokemon. He likes uh, Hearthstone. Korean's not big into story. Mm-hmm. He likes the kind of thing where you can pick it up, play it, put it down, and then move oh, on see. to something else. So he likes to jump around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antoine and myself are more, we like story. So we like something where you can sit down and play for 60 hours and just focus on one game. Fair enough. If you have, like I said, if you have an iPhone or an iPad, you may or may not. It's definitely worth, if you have an Apple TV, because you can actually play Apple Arcade games on Apple TV, it's worth checking out. If you don't, uh, maybe borrow Korean's iPad. I don't have Mac anything. (laughs) Borrow Korean's iPad. Say, Korean, I'm stealing your iPad. Because I know he's a little frustrated with it at times. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely an Android and uh, PC person, so. Yeah, but no, it's, it's, it is, um, yeah, it's actually really good. I think it's developed by Mistwalker right now. Okay. But it's uh, it's worth picking up. Um, they built it on Unity, actually, which is honestly a little surprising. Why is that surprising? Well, you know, that they got the Unity engine to perform as well as they did on, like, iOS. But at the same time, I have to remember, mm. like, the modern iPhone is way more advanced than my PlayStation 3. Yeah, yeah, that's a crazy thing, yeah. Like, way I'm like, this, this thing right here is, like almost advanced as that playstation 5 out there it's crazy close i mean it's not quite the processing power but yeah not quite the processing power but it can pull off some sick things and i think that's nuts which is insane when you think that the air force used playstation 3s to make a supercomputer (laughs) which is crazy that is so crazy (laughs) i did not know that that's crazy you you didn't know that no the air force how many ps3s did they put together for their supercomputer i don't know it was like 100 or Hold on, 20 I'm, or 60 I'm or googling like this right now air force ps3 supercomputer all right let's look at this they had them running in parallel 
All right, 1,760 PlayStation 3s to build a supercomputer. Mm-hmm. It's the Condor Cluster. That's nuts. I was in college when they did that, yeah. That's crazy. It better be the uh, the second PlayStation 3, not the first one. I think it was the first one. I think it was the original one, the fat one. <sighs> That's the best one they made, but it was sadly <laughs> very prone to YLD. My brother kept his Call of Duty Zombies game playing overnight too many nights in a row and the hard drive couldn't the motherboard it just went, and we got yellow light of death and that's where i lost all my backwards compatibility with my beloved ps2 games which it has Aww. taken me let's see when did that happen it had to be like early 210s it took me until 2020 2020 to find a playstation 2 in a thrift store for 20 bucks this is why i still have my playstation 2 yeah, well, ours broke too, sadly. I don't remember. Oh, I remember why. It got dusty, and I took it apart to clean it. And when I took it apart to clean it, and I put it back together, I accidentally punched a hole through the ribbon cable that connected the controller inputs to the thing. So all of the controllers had drift. That'll do it. And I couldn't... I was like 14 at the time, so I wasn't confident enough to spend my very limited income on a, a 64 point ribbon cable that i didn't know if it was going to work or not because at that point i didn't realize that computer components are pretty daggum universal for the most part for the most part except for except for playstation 2 memory cards actually i figured that out today because i had or a couple days ago because there's a new playstation 2 i had this little memory card and it's the the exact same style of memory card but playstation can't read it because it's not the one for the ps2 they have a lot of proprietary stuff. The Vita had the same problem where you had to have proprietary uh, memory cards. You couldn't use a regular SIM card, which they look identical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they for do. whatever reason. They do. Um, I remember my good old PSP back in the day. The original, it was like the original PSP. I got it from my brother. I don't remember if he gave it to me or I paid him like 70 bucks for it. Um, it got drift. Ooh. It got bad drift. And I had no idea how to fix it at the time. So I would shove a Lego into the joystick to get it to read as zero and then i'd use the d-pad <laughs> to play dungeon maker hunting grounds because that was the game on the umd dungeon maker hunting grounds hey whatever works and that worked for a good three years and then it was gone man oh man so yeah i guess a little bit more about dead space you know it's a good game one of the better i think probably not if not industry standard remake it's pretty daggum close. I think the best one probably might still be Demon Souls. I don't know if you played it, but it's it's nice. It's a wonderful. That was the that was the whole reason I bought the PlayStation Five is because I wanted to play Demon Souls, and especially once they announced Elden Ring, I was like, yeah, I'm not playing Elden Ring on my PS4. I can't do that. No. So I I bought one, which is crazy. Yeah, it's hard to go back. Yeah, oh yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I did play on my PS4 for a good six months after buying it because i didn't want to download cod to my playstation 5 because call of duty modern warfare the remake one was so big i was like i'm not downloading this to my playstation that's ridiculous Mm. and then eventually i did it and then i haven't i haven't booted up the playstation 4 since because i don't think there's a single game on the playstation 4 that i can't play on the 5 no i think yeah pretty sure they're all good i'm sure there are a couple that didn't receive compatibility they said there would be but I haven't personally encountered them. Um, the only thing I kind of don't like about playing on it is some of the games that are older look kind of cartoony now with the way that graphic graphics processing has advanced. Like Rainbow Six Siege fell victim to it big time. 
I'm like, this is supposed to be like relatively hyper-realistic, but just the way this renders now does not, it just looks a little Fortnite-ish. Just yeah. a smidge. Just a smidge. And now Fortnite's like the prettiest game out there right now because Unreal Engine 5 is quite literally Unreal. Yeah, we had the same problem moving from, uh, what, what are the old TVs? CR TVs? Was mm-hmm. it? Uh, to HDTV. And if you had like a PlayStation mm-hmm. 2, I remember playing Okami and switching over to an HDTV. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hmm, no, it was yeah. designed for the blur. That's so weird. <laughs> it was like my uh, I'm playing Battlefront 2 right now, and it's definitely designed for cells that are like perceivable to the human eye in their mm. size because it's looking real hazy right now. I, I got a HDMI adapter to plug into it to convert it from uh component to HDMI. So I'm hoping that'll even it out a little bit, but probably not. Yeah, it was a weird feeling. I might have to go find an old tube TV because I'm like, this was definitely not designed with pixels imperceptible to the human eye in mind. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for having me. If y'all oh, no uh, need a guest host whenever, uh, hit me up. You know you know how to reach me in multiple yeah. forms and fashions across many websites and stuff. All right. All right. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, no problem. All right. So thanks, everyone, for coming. Don't forget to, uh, you know, like or subscribe wherever you're watching from. And, uh, yeah, catch us and... Have a lovely yeah. day. <laughs> watch the, hey, watch watch the YouTube shorts. Watch Adam on stream. He streams Tuesday nights, uh, Taiwan time. So I guess last night, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning, which is yeah, your Monday night. Yeah. Oh, Monday. So Monday night, Tuesday morning. What are you streaming at this point? Right now? Oh, that's a Korean question. Very nice. Uh, so yeah. I was doing Besiege, and I actually finished that uh-huh. yesterday. And then nice. I was, yeah, because I was thinking, oh, I'm going to finish Crisis Core, and then I'm going to play Besiege, mm-hmm. and then I'm, and then when I'm done with that, I'm going to do Elden Ring. Well, I finished Crisis Core, Core, Crisis Core, and Besieged both yesterday. So I guess it's going to be Crazy. Elden Ring now. Neat. Oh yeah, nice. So yeah, watch watch Adam on stream. Does, yeah, watch me die. Does, yeah, watch you die. It's not. It's it's probably actually the easiest from software game. In okay. the Dark Souls, I've only like played Blood, Bloodborne. That's the only other uh, from <sighs> all of, the, so good. of those games that I've played. I've obviously played all the old yeah armored cores. But well, those are <laughs> we can we can geek out about Armored Core Six when it comes yes. out, supposedly later this year. I hope so. I'm really excited. Actually, they they I'm announced really that. <laughs> well, you know, it could be bad, but like you know, I have a lot of faith in From Software. I mean, they put out that PSVR game. Um, I don't even remember how to say it. And apparently that was really good. I'm like, wow. And Sekiro was a throwaway. It was a side project that they did to like work on some of the mechanics for that ended up in Elden Ring. And like, yeah, we're going to release this game. I'm like, that's crazy. I'm not worried about it being bad. I'm worried about it being different from the Armored Core I remember. True. <laughs> they did say, I remember the interviews were like, we're getting way off topic of wrapping up. But what I was going to say, the interviews did say it was going to be nothing like you're expecting if you're a new modern From Software fan. Which is a good sign for you. Yes, that's the only thing that gives me hope. Yeah. And we're going to be really granular with the upgrades you can make to your mech, which probably is going to piss me off. But for From Software, I'll suffer. (laughs) Yeah, Miyasaka is a genius. I I have no words to say. I will take any punishment he hands me because his games are always, always good. I don't think he's piloted a bad game yet. Well, like, I don't think he did the uh, Armored Cores. I think that was pre-him. Or maybe he, he started was, with Armored Core 4. He wasn't the director. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they released a couple of Armored Cores after they did Dark Souls. They released five on the PS3. Yeah. 
Because I think Dark Souls was the first game he direct. No, Demon Souls was the first game that he directed. He did that. They really liked that. And then at that point, they pretty much gave him the studio, hmm. which is really funny because I, if I remember correctly, he was uh, not a game developer. Hmm. Actually, what is the story of Miyasaka? That is know. worth talking about from yeah. software. Let, let's pull up Wikipedia <laughs> from software. And it's, yeah, Hijitaka Miyazaki. Miyazaki, not Miyazaka. Miyazaki. Yeah, I was like, it should be the same um, as the Studio Ghibli guy, right? Uh, yeah, very similar. Um, is he the Studio Ghibli guy? No, he's not. No, no, he no. He just no, has no. the yeah, same yeah, name. I was about to say, yeah, he does. I was about to say, there's no way. Um, yeah, so he's, a, so he's an account manager for oh. Oracle. And then after he stopped working for Oracle, uh, he played a video game, Ico? Ico? I-C-O. Ico. Eco. He played Eco and said, I like that. And he said, I'm going to be a game designer instead. So he was a sociologist and then an account manager for Oracle and then accidentally found his way uh, working as a game planner on Armored Core Last Raven. And then he directed Armored Core 4 and Armored Core 4 Answer. And then after that, he said, we're going to do Demon Souls. Let's see. Yeah, up until it was it was projected to be a failure. This is off Wikipedia. And then he took over it um, and it was actually received negatively at Tokyo Game Show and sold far under expectations. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. And then Dark Souls uh, after Dark Souls came out, he was the promoted to be president of the company and he's directed, I think, every game they've released since except for Dark Souls 2, hmm. which is crazy. That's an interesting story for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, he's not the director of Armored Core 6. He started off, but uh, Masaru Yamamura is now the director. I really apologize to the Japanese fans. This is not a language I've studied. <laughs> I understand the basics, but I apologize. Yeah, so he's not going to be the full director for Armored Core 6, which is interesting. But he started the development of it. Yeah, that's a really career, crazy career. That is pretty nuts. Ah, now this is interesting. His top, uh, his the manga they list that he's a fan of, which will make so much sense if you think about it. Berserk, Berserk, Saint Seiya, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and Devilman. Wait, did you say Song of Saya? Uh, Saint Saya. Oh, <laughs> very different. <laughs> Seiya, yeah, Saint Seiya. Okay. We're, we're pulling up the Wikipedia for it. Yeah, Saint Seiya Knights of Zodiac or simply Knights of Zodiac in the in the French is Le Chevalier du Zodiac. I do know my French a little bit. So not. yeah. Yeah, those are his four influences, which I only know three of those four listed. And honestly, if you think about it, makes a lot of sense. It does. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of berserk reference in Dark Souls, yeah. Oh yeah, there is. There's a lot of reference. Okay, we are actually wrapping up. So watch the shorts. They're great. Yes. They're awesome. <laughs> watch adam stream subscribe like share tell your friends volunteer to be a guest host if you can yeah no we definitely want more guests yeah i i i will gladly guest again sounds good because i have so much going on in my life right now <laughs> all right <laughs> all right thank you all right catch you guys later Bye bye <laughs>